Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Let your kingdom come. And that's exactly the theme of our messages for the past two weeks. And certainly we're going to go into part three this evening. But before I get into that, I want to welcome all of you. I want to welcome our regular listeners to Reaching Out Radio International. This is um, the program that you're listening to tonight. It's called In the Word with Sister Pearl. And I happen to be your Sister Pearl. So God bless you. Welcome, welcome. Again, welcome to our, our regular listeners and welcome, a very hearty welcome to those of you that might be tuning in for the very first time. We're so privileged and so blessed of God to have you come and join us on Reaching Out Radio International. want to give a special shout-out to the woman of God, Evangelist Montel Fields. Thank you, uh, dear daughter of the Most High God, for being obedient to that heavenly calling that God gave you so that myself and other of your special hosts can come on here and share the Word of God, not only in the nation of the United States of America, But Reaching Out Radio is being heard in more than 90 nations around the world. So we are so grateful to be in your home, whether you're in your home or you might be listening um, by radio in your car or uh, watching us online in a library or in a friend's home or wherever you happen to be getting the broadcast. But we are so blessed of God to have you with us. And just before we go into the word, I'm excited about getting into it. Uh, Now, I did promise you that I was going to talk about some of the things that those walking into the kingdom encounter, Uh, but I, I really sensed that I might leave that for next Sunday evening or whenever you might happen to be listening on demand. I want to go into, um, a very key, component of of walking and living and dwelling in the kingdom of God and demonstrating the kingdom of God. So I might talk about some of the difficulties that we encounter next week, but I want to talk more importantly this week about the heart of the kingdom and how how you and I have to be what kind of posture we have to be in order to even enter into God's kingdom and be able to demonstrate his kingdom on the earth. So before we do that, let's just bow our heads. If you can, if you cannot bow your head because you happen to not be in a convenient place to do that, you can just bow your hearts with me and we're going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of your son, Jesus, thank you, Abba. Thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, and thank you that you have made us your children, all of those who place their confidence and trust in you, believe in your word, and follow you. We are your children, and thank you, God, for adopting us into your royal family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't have enough words to give you the praise that is due to your holy name, but in the way that we can, we are so grateful, Lord God. And we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be across these airwaves 
be across the internet, be across the stations, the many stations that we're on, and in every nation that's hearing Reaching Out Radio, we want to lift up your name above every other name that is mentioned. Lord God, to us, use your handmaiden so that I might bring forth this word exactly in the way that you want me to bring it forth and open up our understanding, Lord Jesus. Let this be a catalyst to draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself. We pray that people will come, those that don't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, they will come out of darkness and come into your marvelous light and that they too can be a part of the kingdom of God. Thank you. Thank you for all that you're about to do tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God's kingdom, if you've been listening to this message, let your kingdom come. We're getting this from the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the Lord's Prayer. His disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And so he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name is to be honored. Your name is to be reverenced. Your name is holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how could God's kingdom be done on earth? The only way that his kingdom can be brought to earth is through the lives of those that have chosen to follow him, those that make him Lord and Savior and master of their lives. Then he blesses us and deposits his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. And it's only by the Spirit of God living inside of us that gives us the power to say no to the devil and to say yes to God, who is holy. So it's only as you and I have been invested with his spirit inside of us can we even begin to demonstrate his will on the earth. And so this is what we've been studying and examining for the past two messages of Let Your Kingdom Come. When you and I are walking in our kingdom purposes, we are living drastically different from the way in which the present culture lives and the ideologies that they are aggressively promoting. Now, please bear in mind that even when a big-time religious leader speaks things that are contrary to the word of God, we must always believe God and his word. We resist religious lies and all that is totally contrary and against the precious and reliable word of God. Now, in this present time, the world is dealing with sanctimonious figureheads, figureheads that make themselves pop and try to act so pious. But, but what they're doing, if they're not following God's word, is that they are going very contrary and in opposition to the legitimate kingdom of God and what he represents. 
and his representatives. So let's just ensure, let's pursue, uh, make very, you know, take a lot of care that you and I are following Jesus Christ and that we do not belong to worldly systems. Because these worldly systems are in direct opposition to his righteous reign. The word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to read it for you, verses 9 through 11, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. What I just read was 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. God's kingdom is not of this world. Please understand that. If you are eager to get, you know, approval by those that are living according to this kingdom, you're not going to be able to please God. Because God's kingdom is not of this world that we're living in right now. Jesus even said it in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, in verse 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight, physically fight, he means, to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Now, in this present world where we live today, too many religious leaders have now bowed their will and given their allegiance to the ways and the customs of this world. They're not concerned with pleasing God. Neither are they concerned with obeying his will and teaching the people according to his godly precepts and ways. However, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that those following the carnal, worldly standards and norms of this present world are simply following the God. And I say God with a small g. They're following the God of this world. And we know this as we read Paul's teaching to the church at Corinth. You can find what I'm going to read to you now in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. It reads like this. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves 
to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, whose is the image of God. Wow. So there you have it. Those people that are living according to the kingdom of God and his principles and his precepts, you and I have renounced secret and shameful ways. So we don't have anything to hide. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. We're we're not living deceptively. We're not trying to distort the word of God and make it try to fit into the shameful ways of this world because this world is living in sin. Let's just call it what it is. The world lives to please their own flesh and they promote fleshly ways and fleshly ideas and fleshly ideals and ideologies. They're going contrary to everything that God talks about is good and is pleasing to him in the word of God. So, of course, no one anywhere can ever live pleasing to the king of, the, of kings and the one who reigns over the kingdom of God unless we are born into the kingdom. Now, this is what sets us apart from just being merely religious. I want to say that again. This is what sets men and women that want to live according to the principles of God in 2023. We're living very differently from just those that are being mere religious. The problem with religious is that they can mistakenly believe they can try to live the Christian life without having God's spirit living inside of them. Now, merely because they belong or you belong or I belong to a fellowship or take a role in the church, perhaps I'm very active in the church, I attend church weekly or maybe even more than once a week, Or to make matters worse, I could even lead a ministry believing that somehow because I'm leading a ministry or a parachurch ministry that I'm automatically born again. No. Anybody can come into a church, belong to a church, come in regularly. The church is a public place. It's open to everybody, or at least it should be open to everybody, everybody who's going to come in quietly and submit to the leadership of that church. Of course, everybody's welcome. But is everybody born again? Is everybody saved? Is everybody living according to the kingdom of God? And the answer is no. Not everybody in church 
is born again. And I'm going to explain about being born again in just a few minutes. But I want to explain that just because you belong to a church, some individuals, they even take classes. They participate in a Bible training. They study a, a book in the Bible. They may even earn a certificate and get a degree from a Bible school or a Bible college or a seminary. And then because they've done that, the enemy of their souls deceives them into thinking that they're born again. However, being born from above is not attained through the mere whims of man or woman or human flesh. A matter of fact, as a matter of fact, being born again has nothing to do with the flesh. But it is an act of the spirit of almighty God. I'm going to read to you now from the gospel of John. That's the fourth book in the New Testament. The gospel of John Chapter 3, and I'm going to read six verses, the first six verses. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Verse 3 says, Jesus replied, Verily, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You and I and everyone that's listening to this broadcast tonight has been born the first time. Or else you can't even listen to this message. I wouldn't be able to talk to you unless I was first born from my mother. That's why Nicodemus asked the question, surely a person that's already born cannot enter a second time and be born into their mother's womb. And Jesus said no. If you want to be born into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to have a second birth, born of the spirit, born of the spirit of God. Not, not merely just that you were born into the earth, but you've got to have a spiritual rebirth. And that latter part in verse 6 is very clear. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, some people be believe that water baptism 
is the first birth. But of course, you and I do need to be baptized in water because that's a sign that we belong. We're, we're willing to let the world know that we've chosen to follow Jesus and now we belong to him. And so we're baptized in water, in obedience to Christ and his word. But you and I were born of water when we uh, were born from our mother. Your mother's water breaks, and then guess what? You're here. And so that's why Jesus said, no, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and of the spirit. And then he explains it clearly what he meant in verse 5. What he meant in verse 5, now he's explaining it in verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh. When you're born that first time, that was the fleshly birth. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. That's the second birth. And so if you and I want to be born again, we've got to be born of the spirit of God. Because only the spirit of God gives us the power inside of us to say no to the devil and to say yes to almighty God. Hmm. Remember what we talked about. If you listen to last week's message, we read from the entire uh, chapter of Romans, the book of Romans in the New Testament, chapter 14. Because a lot of times, People think that it's what you put in your mouth that makes you holy. But no. Or even what you say, what you, what, you know, you know, you know, I, I say that I don't do this and I don't do that. No, no, no. So I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. These are the words of Jesus again. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. He's talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all of the religious crowd back in his day. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth? Because they were very concerned about what they eat and what they don't eat what they drink and what they don't drink, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And we know that what comes out of their mouth basically is proceeding from what's in their hearts. So if you and I have a lot of filth in our hearts, eventually that's going to come straight out of our mouth. We're going to wind up saying what what our real intention is. Those of you who listened last week to part two, let your kingdom come, heard me read from Romans 14, as I just said. The righteousness mentioned here by the Apostle Paul is what God does for us. When he talks about verse 17 of Romans 14, that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. 
the righteousness mentioned here is what God is, is, is doing for us. He's doing it for us. We could not make ourselves righteous. God makes us righteous through his shed blood of his son on the cross, something that we can never do for ourselves. Your blood could not be shed for your sin or somebody else's sin. My blood could not be shed to, to redeem, to buy back, or, 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 or to ask for God's favor to forgive your sin. My blood could never do that. Because I've sinned against God. You've sinned against God. Every human being in the world today and that was in the world previously has sinned against God. And that's why God sent his only son, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, who was not even born like you and I were born. The spirit of God hovered over Mary, his mother, who was a virgin at that time. Now, since then, she had normal relations with her husband, Joseph, and she had other children. It is a false teaching if you would think that she remained a virgin forever. No, she did not. The Bible does not teach us that she did. It it teaches us that she was married to Joseph and that he did not know her intimately. He did not know her sexually until she gave birth. To the son that she had through the Holy Spirit, and his name is Jesus. And only Jesus, being without blemish, without sin, born without sin, lived a life without sin, never offended his heavenly father, never did anything contrary to the will of his heavenly father. The only one who could say that was Jesus and is Jesus. Jesus is the same one who created the world, created you, and created me. So, of course, he could shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins, your sins, and the sins of the world. Nobody else could do that. Only only God can save us. Ezekiel in the Old Testament says it like this. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 26. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And that's the water of his word. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is why we must be born again. We must be born again. Because if we're not born again, if we're not born of the Spirit of God, then we're just simply trying to live a life, trying to, you know, do what we think God wants us to do with no Spirit of God inside of us, and then we don't have the power of God. You need the Spirit of God in order to have the power of God over sin. Not just go to church and and start reading the Bible and start praying and, and belong to a Bible study or a life group, but you are not born again. Again, 
you'll just be trying to do what you see the other people, and some of them are truly born again, and you'll just be trying to imitate them. You'll just be trying to, to, to do what you think God wants you to do, but you will lack the power. The power of God is what we need to be able to live a life that's pleasing to him, to be able to demonstrate his kingdom on the earth. Because when his, when his Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us, there's a difference. Paul the Apostle tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 now, verse 16 and 17, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, this is phenomenal, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. King James says he is a new creature or she is a new creature. The old has gone and the new is come. The old has gone, NIV. New International Version. The old is God and the new is here. Now, unfortunately, what so many false teachers, preachers, and religious leaders are teaching today is that outside of Christ, I'm okay and you're okay. We can do whatever we feel like. We can live any kind of way okay by God. He's okay with it. We don't have to be, you know, living, pleasing to him. We don't have to live sinless lives. We can live in sin and continue to live in sin, continue to do things that are contrary to his will, and it's okay. He just accepts us just like that. But is that really what the Bible says? Is that really what the Apostle Paul is teaching us? And I'm going to read again what I read at the very beginning of this broadcast. Let's look again at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Let's read it clearly, slowly, and carefully. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. I see all these people that are claiming to be Christians now. Maybe they're not married. They don't have a husband. They don't have a wife. But they're living with their boyfriend, they're having sexual relations with their boyfriend and their girlfriend, and they're not married. This is called being a fornicator, having sexual intimacy with someone that's not your husband, it's not your wife. That's called entering into fornication, committing then the Bible goes on to say, nor idolaters, those people that have idols in their lives, will not 
inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Sister Pearl did not make this up. I did not write in what I would like to write in to the word of God. How dare I do that? I'm not the Apostle Paul that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the great majority of the epistles that you and I read today. I'm not him. The Holy Spirit did not anoint me to write the Bible as he was anointed to write certain portions under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I'm just reading what it says in the word of God. Do you not know, verse 9, that the unrighteous, those that are living not in a right relationship with God, and how can I say this? Because sin separates you and me from God. If I'm living in a in, in known sin, I'm doing something that I already know is sinful, and I continue to live in it. That means I am living in an unrighteous state. I am not living in a condition that's pleasing to God. I am living in a state that is separating me from God. And the Bible says I will not inherit the kingdom of God if I live unrighteously. It says do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. Uh, Don't be tricked. Don't let somebody mock you. Neither fornicators nor those people that put anything or anyone else above God is called an idolater. So if I have only time to do those things that are contrary to the spirit of God, that is called idolatry. If I love somebody more than I love God, I'm an idolater. If I love my husband or my wife more than I love God, I'm an idolater. If I love my children more than I love God, I'm an idolater. If I love money more than I love God, I'm, I'm an idolater. If I love my, my job, my position, my name, my house, my possessions more than I love God. If I don't have time for God, but I have time for my possessions, I'm an idolater. Then it says, nor adulterers. So if I'm a married individual and I'm involved sexually with somebody who's not my husband because I'm a female, so I would not have a wife, I would have a husband. But if I'm having sexual relationships with somebody who's not my husband, I'm an adulterer. If I'm a man and I'm having sex with every woman that I desire and it's not my wife, then I am an adulterer. But then the Bible goes on to say, nor homosexuals. So if I am a woman and I'm involved in a sexual relationship with another woman, that means same sex, that I am living unrighteously and I will not inherit the kingdom of God. Bible makes it very plain. Nor a sodomite. Specifically, it's talking about men being sexually involved with another man. And the act of sodomy is talking about relating to his backside. 
That's all I'm going to say. Nor thieves. If I continue being a thief, if I'm stealing from other people, if I steal, period, and I continue to steal, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I covet what my neighbor has, I want it. I'm going to do anything in my power to get what my neighbor has. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to, do, I'm going to steal from them. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to lie about them so I can get what they have. That means I'm covetous. I'm wanting what belongs to them, and I want it for myself. That is not good. That is called being covetous. And the Bible says that if I am covetous, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I'm a drunkard, you know, that's going to destroy my family. It's going to destroy my own life. It's going to destroy my children, my spouse. I'm a drunkard, and I remain a drunkard. It says that I will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what God said. If I'm a reviler, if I love to stir up trouble, trouble, if that's my intention, to stir up trouble, to, to, to give people a hard time, I cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If I'm an extortionist, nor, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, I am not making this up. This is what the Bible says, and we need to teach what the Bible is, is teaching here. Wow. No, no, nobody who's an extortioner is going to enter the kingdom of God. What does extortion mean? The practice of obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. You know people that, that, that they take out loans from loan sharks and then the loan sharks have their, their, their bodyguards and they have these people to rough the people over. Those kind of people are not going to make it to the kingdom of God unless they repent and stop doing it. They're not going to do that. They're not going to be able to enter God's kingdom. So they're not going to be able to bully their way into the kingdom of God or bully other people and think that they're going to be getting into the kingdom of God. Now, what I love about this scripture, it says, and such were some of you. So that means in the kingdom of God right now, we have people that are godly, that love Jesus, that are inside the kingdom of God, that are going to make heaven, and they used to be fornicators. They used to be idolaters. They used to be adulterers. They used to be homosexuals. They used to be sodomites. They used to be thieves. They used to covet what their neighbor and other people had. They used to be drunkards. They used to be revelers. They used to be extortionists. And such were some of you. But, that's the big but. But you, if you belong to that group, that you used to be those kinds of individuals, you were washed and you were sanctified. And you've been not only washed, sanctified, but God justifies you in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So that means 
that you could be any one of those kind of individuals. You could have even been a murderer. And God justifies you right now. If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, if you've been cleansed by the spirit of God, now God justifies you. And how does this happen? How can you become born again? The Bible says in John 3, the same gospel of John, chapter 3, but I'm going to read a little bit later later down in that chapter. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And you might say, well, Sister Pearl, you know what? I heard that list that you were reading from Second Corinthians, and, and I don't believe that, that I was I ever committed fornication. Uh, I I don't, no, no, wait a minute. Let me tell you, we've all been guilty in some way or some degree of, of that list. Because if you didn't fornicate with somebody, you, you, you were an idolater. Because at some point, you put either yourself or somebody else over God. So you were an idolater. All of us were idolaters. You might say, well, I was never married, so I never committed adultery. Yeah, but did you commit fornication? And even if you never had sex with anybody, you are an idolater. You put yourself above God before. You might say, well, I never, I never, I never took anything from anybody yet. Did you ever lie about somebody? Did you ever, you know, destroy or try your best to destroy somebody's reputation? You know, call people up to try to give a bad report about somebody else. No, you, you're guilty. I was guilty. You've been guilty. We've all been guilty. And such were some of you. But we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. If you allow him to wash you because you believe, you now believe in him. And because you believe in him, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Not just that you believe that Jesus is God. No, no, no. But you put your faith and your whole life and trust in him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it is the it is with your heart, also part of your heart, not just with your mind. It is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and you are saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So in all of this that we have been studying, and examining in the past three weeks. Let your kingdom come. And we want to demonstrate the kingdom of Christ on earth. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the signs. 
But the first thing that we have is the power over sin. The power over sin. And how do we get the power over sin? It's to have that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, come and dwell inside of us. God wants to make his abode. He wants to live inside of us. Amen. You heard so many times, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If that same spirit, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells inside of you. That's deep. The spirit of God. Dwelling inside of you. But you are not in the flesh if you have the spirit of God living in you. But you're in the spirit. Romans 8 verse 9. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Thank God. How are you and I going to be able to get to live a life that's pleasing to God? Then we do not live according to the flesh. I'm reading now Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And you might say, but Sister Pearl, I want want to be born from above. I want to be born again. I want to, to live and demonstrate the kingdom of God until God actually establishes his physical kingdom, I want to live like somebody who lives to please God. Well, then you need to be born again, just like I had to be born again, just like every born-again believer has got to be born again. So we have to first admit that we in our own flesh cannot please God. We've already tried that. I've tried that. You've tried that. Everybody who's alive has tried, tried to please God, but we cannot do that according to the flesh. The flesh is always going to fail God. I, in my flesh, am going to fail God. The only way that I can live a life that's pleasing to God is to have his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. And the only way that I can do that is to believe in Jesus. It's a matter of faith. It's a core, This whole faith walk, is by faith. The kingdom, if you want to walk 
according to the kingdom of God is by faith. You don't do it according to the flesh. You do it by faith in Jesus Christ. And you only are born again by faith. That's why Nicodemus says, well, how can I actually be born again? You know, he was trying to, he was a very big religious leader, and, and he was trying to do things, um, you know, religiously, like so many people are trying to do it, religiously. But again, if you're living religiously, you're living according to what you can accomplish by your own flesh. But Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to the spirit of God. So just if you want to be born again, and you've never been born again, then you can just repeat after me. I can't make anybody born again. I couldn't even make myself born again. It's the spirit of God that makes us alive in Jesus Christ. Only he can do it. But if you believe that Jesus has given his life on the cross for you, for your sins, just as he's given them for my sins, then you have the faith to believe that he will send his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and give you the power over sin. It's all a matter of faith. It's not any works that you can do to work something up to get God to make you born again. You have to extend your faith. Believe in his word. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and and my sins. Believe that he rose from the dead and that he is no longer in that tomb. And believe that he has ascended to the right hand of his heavenly father, your father, my father. And he is ever interceding. Believe that he'll send his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. It's a matter of faith. It's what you believe. If you want to be born again, just stretch your faith out right now. God has given to all of us a measure of faith. The Bible says if you have just a a faith as big as a mustard seed, do you know how tiny that is? A mustard seed is extremely tiny. But Jesus said if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, that's all it takes. So repeat after me, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer if you want to be born again, and so that you will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are born again. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to come and dwell in you and give you the power to live a life over sin. That You don't have to always do whatever the devil tells you to do. You can begin to do what God tells you to do. Heavenly Father, you repeat after me. I know that I'm a sinner and that I cannot live a Christian life using my own flesh, using my own strength, or by my own capabilities. I know that I need the Spirit of God to come and dwell inside of me. And I'm inviting right now your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. 
thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to live a life that's not pleasing to you or that grieves you. Wash me afresh in the blood of Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. Clean me up of every wrong spirit. And fill me instead with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you all the days that you would bless me with on this earth. Thank you that you're a great God and that you love me and that you have heard my prayer and you have forgiven me of all my sins and I do extend my faith to you. I believe, Heavenly Father, that you raised Jesus from the dead and that same Holy Spirit that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, I invite your Holy Spirit to come now and live inside of me. Give me the power over sin. Thank you that you make me righteous through the blood of Jesus. Thank you that old things have now been passed away. They no longer belong to my identity. And I have new life in Jesus Christ from this moment on. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Help me to live for you. Help me to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So God bless you. I am so excited about each one of you that have prayed that prayer. You now are born again. If you really believe God, you believe his word, you believe what Jesus has done for you on the cross of Calvary, you are born again. And so now when we come back next week, God willing, we'll talk about some of the opposition, some of the things that come uh, to present themselves as obstacles or hindrances. And your sister Pearl by the Holy Spirit is going to teach you through the word of God how you can still overcome every obstacle that will try to hinder you as you try to demonstrate and live according to the kingdom of God. So God bless you. I'm so excited for you that have prayed that prayer for the first time. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice even when one person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what it is to be born again. And so I believe that many of you prayed that prayer and you're born again. So I'm excited. I'm happy for you. Tell somebody, try to, uh, I'm going to pray that God gives you a good Bible-believing church. Make sure that they're connected with the word of God, that they honor God, they honor his word. Uh, I pray that you will get good fellowship and that you will grow strong in your faith. Until next time, this is your sister Pearl. God bless you. I love you. But Jesus loves you so much more. Bye-bye.